Just when you think you're out, we pull you back in. This is And Justice for Al, brought to you in part by Dazzini Media. I never fucked anybody over in my life, didn't have a coat. You got that? All I have in this world is my balls and my word, and I don't break them for no one. Do you understand? That piece of shit up there, I never like him. I never trust him. For all I know, he had me set up and had my friend Angel Fernandez killed. But that's history. I hear he's not. Do you want to go on with me to say it? You don't. Then you make a move. I'm your host, Steve Cimino, senior writer at InRealDeep.com. And with us, as always, is executive editor Andrew Johnson. Andrew. Hey, Steve. How's it going? Good. Let's talk some Al. We're pumping these out now. I'm proud of us. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we're on a hot streak. Yeah. When you got when you got a movie like today's, you mean you can't? I, I know I couldn't wait to sit down and watch three hours of Al Pacino doing a really forced Cuban accent. After three hours of him doing not a forced accent, but three hours of him playing a variation of the same character. <laughs> you know what it's uh, i'm I, I think we're all gonna people our listeners will be pleasantly surprised at what we took away from today's movie because it's it's i think we're both a little shocked at what how we felt coming out of it you even more so than i am yeah um i don't know if you want me to just start there but uh yeah well just let's let's tell everybody we're, we're talking we're talking scarface right, today right and and al pacino's role as the as tony montana um his most famous role? Would you do you think this is more famous than Michael Corleone? <sighs> Amongst like regular folk, I'd say it probably is at this point. I'm gonna split hairs and say it's it's more iconic just because of like the its place in like hip hop culture and on dorm room dorm- posters <laughs> and um, probably more quotable. Like The Godfather has many quotable lines. But definitely his lines in Scarface are more quotable than his lines in yeah. Godfather 1 or 2, I would say. Just because so many of them are so, I mean, say hello to my little friend, of course, but then there's just so many other ones that are, you know, um, when you have testosterone pumping through you, feel good to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's probably an accurate statement. I mean, it's it is it has stood the test of time, and it's and I think we'll we'll loop back to this at some point. But it, it's almost when you watch it again, it's weird as hell that this movie is so oh. beloved and respected, or not even respected, but like like rappers and kids. Like it is a really inappropriate, dark, <laughs> odd movie. Like if you sit down and watch it from start to finish, there's some weird shit going on. Yeah, and I want to save some of this discussion for uh, when Tom gets on here because even though he is a wrestling heel on this podcast he's a smart guy yeah we we started talking about you know scarface probably found an audience that it didn't intend and so what does that mean um or like not an audience it didn't intend but i think its largest most loyal fans a group of fans don't really understand this movie at least in the same way i understand it and that sounds like a really elitist thing to say but <laughs> it does. but, but I mean, um, they're, they're watching it in a, in a totally separate context that right. no one really anticipated nor could they have and it's interesting to imagine it's interesting to, to think about what we take away from it and what like a rapper might take away from it yeah. Like why he would look up to Tony Montana besides the only the scene when he like gets criminal fame and then when he kills everybody like right. the rest of the other hour and a half two and a half hours of the movie is like not something you necessarily would want to look up to or right. even like 
Right. Yeah. Um, I guess that sort of like, like tease it up, but I, I, uh, like the last time I saw this movie, I think was in college or soon thereafter. Um, so let's say my perspective on the world has changed a little bit since then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I probably was in that group of people back then that watched that movie in a very different way than I do now. Um, you know, if you, if you take everything that's going on at face value, um, that is a movie that glorifies violence, misogyny, um, every sort of like bad behavior, horrible stereotypes, uh, just, hor- you know, right, horrible, st- yeah. you know, and, um, watching this time around, I ended up really enjoying this movie in a really, really different way. Um, at first, I think I was texting with you when we started watching it. I, I called it a movie for your lizard brain, um, <laughs> which is accurate. I think if you, again, if you watch it and take everything that's going on at face value. Um, but as I sort of like paid more and more close attention to things that were going on, I started to take the actions of the characters much less seriously and started to consider the fact that um, maybe Brian De Palma and Oliver Stone, who wrote the movie, uh, were trying to say something really different than I thought. Um, And uh, there's a lot going on in this movie. Like, Mm -hmm. I I wrote down a bunch of things. You know, there's Oliver Stone famously sort of like wrote the movie when he was uh, basically addicted to cocaine. And Mm -hmm. he, like, I think he literally had to like leave the country to finish writing it because he said he never (laughs) would have finished it. So um, that knowing that that comes through really strongly like the way cocaine can just sort of like mess with your brain and judgment and everything like that Mm -hmm. um there's a bizarre like political bent to it especially in the start um you know uh yeah i forgot i forgot how i forgot there was that whole like they take the refugee part very seriously yeah and even they they give it a solid half hour of the movie right even to the point where he uh like tony montana is very like uh serious about not wanting to be confused with communists and stuff like that um and and then there's i think what it's really ultimately about is like uh the excess of of like drug culture and cocaine and and drug kickpins and really how kind of stupid and mindless uh the characters are and mm-hmm. so to bring that back to al pacino really changed my perspective on his performance here which seems like the kind that tom our our guest later is is like primed to hate but when i watched this again i just didn't i didn't feel like i felt like pacino was trying was not being like later the later al where he's just like a cartoon version of himself um I think there was a lot of, I think, I, I guess, it, I guess I think he is that, but there was a lot of intention behind it, um, yeah. I guess. So to me, that's why I end up liking it uh, quite a, quite a bit more than I, I thought it would. I, I thought I would, um, it, uh, and Pacino's performance, I, I thought if you view it through that prism and maybe I'm the only one who sees it that way on this <laughs> recording, um, it uh, all of a sudden starts to seem really, really good. Um, actually, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if I can go that far as much actually, as I love the guy. Uh, but yeah. I, I took a note at the, near the end of the movie, and I said this is specifically related to the at the end when he's just snorting the giant yeah. pile of cocaine. Mm-hmm. But throughout the movie, he, he's overacting and being ridiculous. But it's it's very consistent the entire time, right? Like right. he doesn't. It, it's like 
it's sort of like when I saw Deadpool and it, and it wasn't a good movie, but it was so itself that it was difficult to, you know, there were elements that were endearing and there were parts and you sort of got sucked into it. And I think this is sort of similar in the sense that he's just relentlessly this ridiculous character, but he doesn't, he doesn't ever, like, I think we remember him taking it to 11 a little more than he really does in the movie, you right. know? Well, he starts out at 11 and then he just, yeah. like in the 11, he's, he's like, the guys are like, get that scar eating pussy and then like and it sort of like just goes from there and i think that's a really good point like yeah like you look back at glenn gary glenn ross even which is i think a better movie than scarface but um pacino sort of uses that like extra al pacino gear like later in the movie because it it, almost because it feels like oh i gotta take it to this extra level Mm -hmm. because the plot is dictating it whereas like yeah in a weird way there's just like a uh, a, a flat line of Al Pacino. At yeah, a very uh, high flat line. Very <laughs> high flat line, but yeah, yeah it's, it, it is consistent. That's a really good point. Yeah, so it's it's it's. I I don't think you're wrong. I think you're the way you're looking at the movie is definitely how I saw it more this time is less less sincere. I think I think we my best the way I get the best way I can put it is when I saw the first one I thought of. Pacino as a or Tony Montana as a protagonist, we were supposed to side with, or who, who was sort of mm-hmm. right, or at least like the hero. And then watching it again, like you said, I think it's pretty clear that he's not the hero, and that De Palma is just mess and Stoner is messing with you, and and everybody's stupid, and like the movie goes off the rail. Like there's just like there's parts that are just very cartoonish and very and more ridiculous than I remember, and it sort of embraces those parts more than I thought it did. Like I thought of it as a gangster movie in my head, and I watch it again. I'm like this isn't really a gangster movie at all. Like they're doing gangster activities, but it does not really follow the traditional scope of what you where you expect a gangster movie to go. Like it doesn't take itself seriously at all. Yeah. And I guess what I was getting at earlier was like a lot of gangster movies, to great effect, tend to inflate the intelligence of it, of its of its main characters, and like this one doesn't at all. I don't think. Mm-hmm. And and there's just so many there's just so many moments that in the movie where it's like watching it this time, I'm like this they can't they can't be serious about this, right? Like <laughs> everything from like like in the start, he's playing Al Pacino is playing basketball in Hawaiian shirt. With a bandana wrapped around his head <laughs> in like the little Freedom Town or whatever it was, I'm like that. They're, they're, they're not. They're, this has to be a joke. They can't like. And then down on to like the you know we were talking about before we got on here the the bubble bath. Like I don't even know why he's in a bubble bath watching TV. Where he's calling flamingo as pelicans. Yeah, yeah. Pelican. Pelican. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that's my take. I mean, who who knows? I don't know. But um. I mean, but I think you're right though. There's uh, I w- I took a note when when then the scene when he kills Frank Robert Loggia and takes mm-hmm. over. Robert Loja's criminal empire. He literally like they don't even like all of a sudden he's just the new boss. Like he literally just walked right. in the house and killed him, and now he's making hundreds of millions of dollars, and he takes his wife, and now it's his wife. Like <laughs> and he lets Ernie just... live, or Ernie, that's the guy, <laughs> yeah, right? That's yeah, right. and then Ernie becomes you know job, like, Ernie? The, most, the most loyal soldier. It's um, just like parts like that are like so like they don't even try and make it real. Like they just they, they totally buy like the simple dynamic of like if, when you shoot the guy, you become his, you take his powers, you know? Like, right, right, yeah, yeah. So, but but it's funny. But like you said, it's in, it's much more enjoyable to watch that kind of stuff this time. Like I was laughing. I was I liked this. I like you said, Al's really quotable, and a lot of the little things you don't remember him saying are really funny. And like it just gets and like the I also remember the scene 
when they're in the club and he sees his sister dancing with that guy and the camera it, 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 like it, it just shows a close-up of his face and yeah. the music like gets all yeah. evil and uh, scary yeah we, 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 it's so over the top yeah. everything about that is it does it like twice in like a minute too like literally every time he looks at gina it just goes like wow yeah 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 well now here we must compliment the score by by giorgio Moroder. oh it's a great uh, score but again that's like an intentional choice why would you choose giorgio Moroder if you didn't want something like synth heavy and melodramatic. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And, so, yeah. and that makes me that you're right. That I think that all those reasons make it a more enjoyable movie. And, and again, make it, make it even weirder as to how it's being, it's consumed these days. Cause I think most people who think about it, remember, remembering certain parts or haven't seen it in 15 years and are remembering it for what they think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I did do a little research. Uh, there's some interesting notes on the on the Wikipedia page about this movie that I didn't know about because it's just a weird everything's weird about it. So I'm just going to go down the list of things. Yeah, lay them on me. One, this was a remake of the 1932 original, which I didn't realize it. Was, I knew it shared the name, but I didn't realize it was intentionally a remake. Um, and Pacino was the one who saw the original, the 1932 Scarface one about um, Capone. Uh, in some like theater in Hollywood. And then he said he wanted it, he wanted it to be made. Um, oh, so it was sort of his, he was the one who sort of had the idea. And then of course, did he Brian, like find Oliver Stone and ask him to write it? Or not exactly. That no, part? there was another director involved and then De Palma got involved and then they got Stone. but he, it was sort of like his, his original idea. Oh, interesting. Um, the other, other thing I mentioned, Oliver Stone, you know, is like battling a cocaine addiction while he wrote it. Um, and that's pretty well known, but, uh, uh, the Bobby Robert De Niro, cause we can't escape comparisons to him actually turned <laughs> down the role. Um, Do you call him Bobby at first? Bobby D. I haven't written down my notes. It's Bobby <laughs> D turned down the row, turned down the role. Um, which is interesting. And this movie would not have worked with. Robert oh no, it would have been a nightmare. No, like he wouldn't commit to, in the same way. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then my other favorite uh, thing that I was reading on the Wikipedia article was the the end gunfight scene, um, I, and I couldn't pick out the shot, but it, apparently it includes a single camera shot that was taken by Steven Spielberg, who was just on set one day. What? <laughs> yeah, that's so weird. Why was I don't understand why that would happen? <laughs> it's just I think it's just the strangest movie. I mean, there I you know I also wrote down you know Stephen Bowers, the only actual Cuban on there. That's weird. sure. Um, this was the movie that launched Michelle Pfeiffer's career. She wasn't really in anything of note before that. She didn't do anything in this movie too. Like I was, I felt bad for her. I was such, I mean, I, if it was her first movie, I get it more, but man, her character had nothing to do in this. It launched her career. I actually liked Good her performance. Her. I thought it was just, I mean, she's kind of like the, she's the, just the so con- like, she literally could not have less of a like <laughs> right. backstory or arc or like anything, right. you know, <laughs> like. Right. She's just arm candy, which I just I felt bad in that. But if it was her first movie, if it's it's that's huge for her then. But no, she's maybe she's, the movie does not care about her as a human being. No, anyway. no, but that's again I think kind of the point. So anyway. that's Oliver Stone probably too. So yes. So anyway, some interesting weird weird movie trivia there. Yeah, it's it's a very unique and and you may notice when we're watching it, there are a lot of white people playing people of Hispanic origin in this movie. And that's, that is a little dicey at times. Robert Loja is sort of playing, sort of has an accent half the time and sort of doesn't the other half of the time. I mean, we, we were talking about this, but I think, I think the, the most egregious white guy playing a brown guy is, is F Murray Abraham, who I adore, yes. but it's just like, it's totally ridiculous that he's, 
uh, in he's that literally movie. like he's like swarthy and a little hairy, and they yeah, just had to decide yeah. that that makes him a brown person. I so I don't know, like I I I would I could probably go on and on about the weird parts about this movie, but I really think they hang Murray Abraham from a helicopter. Yeah. That was so ridiculous. Yes, yeah. I really think the weirdest part is that is when he sees the world is yours on the blimp. And then, oh my god! And then, for s- some reason, he has that made as a sculpture <laughs> in his in his ridiculous mansion later, and it's never really explained, like other than it's just like an iconography uh, that you know. It's just it's so odd. That part is so great too because they show you he's it's right after he kills Frank and he walks and outside. He, he goes to and get out the doors, right? yeah. And you can tell it's like really singing in with him. But then I love that the Palma leaves the shot on the blimp, so you can see that it's just an advertisement. Right. Like a, I right. forget what it's for. Right. It's for like Volkswagen or it's for yeah. something, some company. So yeah. like he does it. He uses it as like an inspiration. But I think that lends so much to what you're saying is like is Tony Montana's drawing this inspiration from this American advertisement on a big dumb blimp. You know, like right. he sees it as this burst of a life changing moment, and <laughs> right. it's just nothing. It's just right. a big sign flying out the window. It's just a tagline in an advertisement. Yeah, exactly. He'd like to buy so, the world a Coke. But it's so easy if if you do, if you just ignore little things like that, or the fact that he shows you that it's an advertisement in the first place, like it just it does open up a whole other viewing like meaning to it that I just had never really thought about. I just took it as way more stone serious, and I like this version of it considerably more now that I went back with a little more clarity and a little more and check and looking for things that I hadn't really looked for before. I believe there's a a Nas song that references this, and I really should. there is. It's called "The World Is Yours." Yeah, yeah. So, which is just so like again, that brings back to like the whole like idea of an audience appreciating this movie. And it, like, I watched that, and I'm just like, this is the most ridiculous thing ever. And well, like you said, other people think it's ago, like whatever. awesome. Yeah, I, I watched it and was like, that's a that's cool. He's a gangster and he's shooting people. I will remember those parts. <laughs> So, but you're right about Al, though. Like, I, I do, I was, I thought I was going to dislike this a lot more. I thought we were going to tear, I thought this was going to be the first one in this series where we just tear our, Al apart, both of us and Tom, too, just, like, constantly shitting on him because it's just such a, you remember it being such a silly performance. But like you said, when you see it, it makes more sense. Like, it does, it does sort of work in its own way. And it's not, it's, it's weirdly enough, it's not one that we're going to tear him apart for. Not me, at least. Not you. No, not me either. Like, I didn't, I didn't love it. I still think it's... It's it's still super long, and there are parts that they could they could have cut down easy. But it, I watched it in two viewings, which I think is the best way to see yeah. this movie. Like I think we I think we both had sat down and watched it all the way through. It would have gone down a lot less smooth. Yeah. Well, the first <laughs> first part, I I think that was literally the split. The first part of the movie I watched, and I was like, "This is a lizard brain movie. This is stupid." And then yeah. I don't know, like it marinated for a day or something, and I came back to it and. I think after he kills Frank, and then there's the little like mo- the push it to the limit, the montage when he gets the money, like I think, there- and then he gets arrested by the cops, and then he shoots the guy in broad daylight in front of the UN. Like <laughs> it sort of gets more and more ridiculous as, as it goes. Like the scale, the, the stakes, and the scales a little low in the beginning, yeah. and as it balloons, I think you get a much better sense of what is actually they're trying to say. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So that well, good for us. We both, um, but now. We need to see what Tom thinks because I am very curious to hear this one. I expected the worst, and maybe we're not going to get the worst, but I, I want to hear it from his lips. I want to talk to him for the first time on these microphones. Uh, yeah. I want to get his two cents. Yes. Yeah, so uh, just so everyone knows, usually we, we in the past two we've recorded the segments separately, but we're gonna we're gonna have Tom with us live tonight. So yeah, uh, live on tape. So yeah, well, live. Yeah, yeah, live on tape, as you say. Uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's get him on here. Let's, let's get, do it. Let's get to it. 
All right, everybody, we've got Tom with us here. Tom, the world hey, is yours. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, the world is yours. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, and, uh, and and uh, as you know, we're we're here to talk about about Scarface, um, which uh, which Steve and I were just talking about a little bit here. Uh, I personally, I think I ended up liking this probably the most out of all three of us. Yeah. Uh, I viewed it in a totally different way than I did the last time I saw it when I was a 22 year old idiot. Uh, and, and Steve, I think also liked it more, although not as much as I did. So let's get down to brass tacks. Talk to us about Scarface. And, Tell us about Al. Tell Al. us all your Al yeah. thoughts. Let's, let's hear oh, it. God. It's, they're getting worse. This is, this is, this is the preview of the, <laughs> of the worst destruction that's to come. Uh, so I, I didn't quite hate the movie as much as I thought I was going to. Progress. Uh, that's definitely uh, not a ton of praise compared to AJ's remarks, but I did think I was gonna really hate it. I only like it was mostly I was just kind of bored by it. I was like it was it was kind of interesting, but did you watch it in one setting or did you split it up into a couple? I, I did it in two. Okay, that's the way. That, I think that that's a good start for sure. Yeah, but at a certain point, it's just like, God, won't this movie just end? Like, get it? This guy's really evil. Like, come on. He was a real asshole. Like, he he kept saying, like, my word is my bond, but he betrayed everybody. Yeah, exactly. He killed his like, boss. He took his wife. Like, I don't yeah, even understand how code? that works. He, he literally has no code. He is a complete nihilist, which is, I guess, amazing to watch. Uh, Steve, by the way, he has only two things in his life: his balls and his word. Uh, not, his, his word is not his bond. He just <laughs> oh, he just right. has balls Sorry. and a word. He won't break them for nobody, though. Yeah, that's, that's true. right. It's true. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's what I thought with the movie. Pacino's performance again. I didn't hate it as much as I thought, but you're starting to get into that some of that classic over the top Pacino that, as you guys know, kind of bothers me. <laughs> We were saying though, and that it's it's weirdly it's very consistent in its ridiculousness, and I think that keeps it above like what you like. I remember it being a lot worse than it was. Yeah. Well, so I, I guess Steve and I were just saying like right before you you hopped on, like I feel like Pacino, like even if you compare this to Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, Pacino, like he like it feels like he goes to that cartoon level, like especially later in his career to like. Because it it feels like the scene or or the character requires it, right? Whereas in Scarface, he just comes in at eleven and he stays at eleven the entire time. Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess maybe he's like at eleven point five when he's snorting mounds of coke or in <laughs> in a bathtub talking about pelicans like a bubble bath. <laughs> but but I, like in that in that level, so this is why I I think this is actually a very very good performance from Pacino. I I guess. To back it up, I watched this movie and I, I at some point I was like, oh, maybe this is maybe this is a movie for lizard brain people, but maybe <laughs> that's not what the movie really is about. Like, I, I and and if so, maybe it's making fun of or 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 uh, subverting, you know, drug kingpins, drug culture, you know, the the idea of like this master mind kingpin because i mean tony montana is like yes he is evil he is a dumb shit though as well <laughs> like also he should have probably died in the first 10 minutes of the movie like <laughs> it's just so absurd uh when when he was playing basketball uh, in a white shirt <laughs> well, yeah maybe that alone right there 
<laughs> when we were in high school, my friends and I would, would wait around the corner for someone to come, and we'd pop out and yell, Rabenga! And we'd stab each other. <laughs> we'd do, like, a fake stabbing. Yeah. So, you know, there's that. And also, you know, like, right when he's getting in with uh, Frank's crew at the beginning, and he's just, like, it's just, like, that level of just, like, who the hell is this guy? Would He would have been murdered just on the spot. Like, it just, there's no way that someone like that rises the way he did. But anyway, that's perhaps looking at it too seriously like you said aj well yeah i don't i mean and i don't know we, we we sort of alluded to this tom in a previous conversation and i wanted to to talk about this with you specifically because i think you brought up the question and it's like if if a movie like this finds a large loyal audience but it's completely the unintended audience and they don't understand the movie correctly which right. i realize makes me sound like a um elitist asshole in saying that but i think that's fair to say yeah most people have that have like scarface posters on their wall don't really understand what they're what they're doing uh like what does that mean does that mean the piece of art failed does that mean that it's just not understood properly and there are a lot of you know yeah i mean i want to say like my gut unreasonable reaction would be to say that yes that does mean that the arts failed but then at the same time, if I think of other movies that I like a lot better than this, like Goodfellas, for instance, that's probably true of that movie, too. And I I love that movie. So it's uh, it's probably just the fact that I don't really like this movie totally kind of colors that that <laughs> argument. Yeah, I don't think, Andrew, I don't think the movie, uh, I think, you know, how, how much influence, like, I'm obviously Brian De Palma wants his the message he has in there to get out. But when yeah. once a piece of work gets out there, it gets consumed the way it gets consumed. Yeah. Like right. I just saw a quote from David Fincher earlier, like I think over the weekend where he said something, his daughter said, came home and said her, she's in like high school, I guess, and said her new friend's favorite movie is fight club. And he told her then don't be that guy's friend. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like, probably because I, the, the, the way I took from that is that he's like, people are ma- making this movie something that he didn't want it to be. You know, right, yeah. they don't, they, they don't get the parts of it that he wants them to get. And that's probably really frustrating if you're a director, but I don't think we should fault them exactly. But right. I, I think it's that's interesting to true. talk about that. I think that's generally true. But then I guess the question I would also ask is what exactly is the point of Scarface? Like what is the message here besides that? Like, crime doesn't pay in the end and this guy really loved murdering people and doing cocaine like i just don't know what the message is well yeah i don't yeah it's hard to tell like andrew i think you're right i think that this probably you know a very simple explanation of it but i think it's also just meant to be like a silly not it's not like satire but i think it's meant to oversimplify the the idea of a of a gangster movie and of a of a drug movie in like in a comic and maybe not comical fashion but in like to heighten the unrealism of it all and make it just yeah. silly and 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 weird and and wacky like I just think it's like a 80s drug fueled like romp that just that has all that has the structure of what you expect from a gangster movie but then deviates in weird ways like strong incest overtones <laughs> yeah. at the end. So like, let's talk about that all time. Yeah, let's talk about that for 20 minutes. Let's not. Oh, Do we have to? No. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't... I, maybe not. Um, well, I so I would argue that this movie is... Well, t- I, I mentioned earlier, Goodfellas is a good touch point. I think, like, a lot of gangster mob movies tend to overstate the intelligence, mastermind, romanticism of... of, of uh, of like becoming a drug kingpin um yeah and 
in in that sense, it's almost like even though it seems like the most ridiculous movie of all time, and in yeah. some ways it 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 feels almost more real to me, because like Tony Montana is just a violent psychopathic <laughs> idiot. Yeah, that's who's willing to do thing. anything to go to the top. You know, like and that's the difference between him and Frank, really. Right. Um, and and maybe that's a maybe that's really a. Uh, Maybe that's really a good point. That's why I kind of end up liking the movie. Um, there's also just, uh, saying to Steve earlier, there's just a lot going on. Like, there's the first, like, 20 or 30 minutes are, like, very overtly political about, like, the Cuban-American, like, right. <laughs> relations. And then that just, like, falls by the wayside. Um, as you may or may not know, Tom, Oliver Stone was addicted to cocaine <laughs> while writing this movie. And that, that. that comes through, like... <laughs> like really powerfully um yeah so that, there's that he really going beats on. you over the head with that one yeah yeah so i mean there is I, I definitely think the movie suffers from a lack of focus um but uh I also think, just it's just so long i mean it is long like three yeah. hours till that point it's just like it could really condense a lot of the stuff that happens between like when he kills frank and then, yeah, exactly. and then like the last 20 or 30 minutes of the movie um right oh, those are the best parts though that's true. I think his I think his rise is is the least interesting. Like, I feel like they wrap up. I don't know, I, I I think um, the <laughs> the best part. Some of the best parts are the meandering parts, though. Like when they're in the club and there's that guy wearing the big fake suit. What was that? You know what that was? What was he supposed to be? <laughs> I don't With the big know. Weird oh, like head the, and the weird the nose and dance like number. Yeah, that is really. I also like when and he Richard had... Belzer was there telling stand up yeah. about. <laughs> I saw the Belzer thing. I was like, oh, this is. I didn't know he was in this movie. And, well, when him and Manolo were just sitting at that like beach cabana club or whatever and talking, it like just just being biggest misogynist assholes yeah, exactly. ever. It's just I, I. That's the weird thing about. It. There's just this is a weird. I guess it, I agree with everything that it's long and unfocused and uneven. Um, yet I would watch almost any scene from it because it's like it's just so. I've just seen so few mo- movies that are like like this. So I mean, yeah, like that scene in particular. I mean, it's just so farcical. Like, like there's like nothing serious about this movie, which I guess isn't enjoyable in a, in a way. Um, but yeah, the, the the one other thing I will I'll say that like I think you touched on this earlier, both of you. But, like, given that it's, like, totally just about, like, the mood of, like, the 80s and all that stuff, like, the score, uh, I generally, like, really loved. And I thought, like, that's probably, in my opinion, the best part of the movie. It's just, like, the sound. Push it to the limit. (laughs) Oh, the soundtrack is beautiful. Steve was bringing up how every time, every time he gets like homicidal about his sister, that like the Giorgio Moroder music just goes into like overdrive and like it's a tight close up on his face. Yeah, Yeah. it was was like, I don't know, I I almost was like reminded of like when Tarantino does like similar like things like that. And it's just like, I don't know, it was just like, it was like, I almost started laughing when that happened. But the second time, I was like, this is so funny to me. Yeah, Tommy, right. It's like in Kill Bill when she goes, the it's really similar to that yeah. <laughs> in like a weird way yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <sighs> man this is this is terrible we all agree way too much about this i don't like this this is unfortunate hive mind that just happened to happen oh uh, well I, you know we can go into bashing pacino if you'd like I'm oh no you know what that's 
the joy of this podcast, Tom, is we have nine to ten more of these to go. And you have nine or ten more Pacino movies to watch. Oh, so God, I'm, I'm so ex- excited. I'm I'm really excited to see all these Pacino movies. I think there's ten more. Plus, you want to do a bonus Righteous Kill episode, don't you, Steve? Oh, yeah. That might just be me talking into my own microphone by myself. Yeah, I'm not watching seconds. Righteous Kill again. Sorry. <laughs> Tom, have you ever seen Righteous Kill? I've never seen Righteous Kill. Oh, God. Maybe me and you can do that one together. You want to right. submit? It's Pacino and De Niro again. It's like oh it's like heat, but a lot oh, worse. <laughs> it's outrageous. I think Fifty Cent's in it. So Did you say that's, heat that's a good a lot sign. Worse? Yes, I, I didn't think that was possible. But uh. oh, oh my god! Now I want to watch Heat, so we can talk about that. That'll get us. That'll get us riled up. We'll, we'll get there. Yes, sure will. We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, all right. Well, I think we. I think we need to to turn in our, our ratings. Uh, unless there's anything else you guys want to talk about, like I could talk about the the world is yours blimp for infinity pretty much <laughs> let's talk about that let's let's talk about that for a second <laughs> um it's really strange i think it's the weirdest <laughs> weirdest part of the movie um but yeah. also like stevie brought up some good points about it the fact that it's an advertisement but he never sees it is hilarious and yeah, then the fact it's never referenced again other than as a massive sculpture in his ridiculous mansion is it's just strange I mean, like that is maybe the like the best example of just like how like absurd and farcical like major parts of the movie. Like I would just like again, I was like laughing when I saw like that statue. Yeah, like, that's. I think that's where it officially become like that's one of the things when I first was like, wait, this movie is is not for real. Like <laughs> this is yeah, not real. Exactly. You know what's no, it's also like, it's real weird is when he gets a tiger. Oh my gosh, and it's, it's like chained up sadly to a tree, and they all go and look at it across a river. Hey, Tiger, how you doing? And just, just, just no explanation, man. Another I thing, yeah. In the cage, it was just literally chained to a tree, and they yeah. were like, oh yeah, this is, this is normal. Another thing that's just totally unexplained. I think that's what I like about the weirdness in the movie, is that there's just a lot of stuff that, that, never, that no one feels like they ever have to explain. Possibly because Oliver Stone was high on cocaine the entire time. <laughs> Even the Palmer was like, let's just do it. Let's just roll with it, guys. Why, yeah, man. We, why we need a tiger. Time? Yeah, man. We need a tiger. Yeah, put, that, put, yeah. put that in there. <laughs> uh, All right. Let's do our rankings. Um, I'm going to give this a... I'm going to give it a sunny, but a high sunny. Like a really good... Like Sonny's best scene in, in the movie. But I don't think it's... I think it can't be... A, it's not a Fredo. I thought it was going to be a Fredo. And it's definitely not a Michael. But it's 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 way better than I remember it being. I mean, I'm gonna have to say, I think it's probably a sunny as well—a really, really uh. cocaine-fueled sunny, which is totally <laughs> absurd. But I, like, I can't really not pick sunny on this one because that's just the archetype. What Sonny Corleone needs is a lot more cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> that's Scarface. Sonny if Corleone he made it for a little while longer, he might have his shot at some, but it went down um, too soon. <laughs> I'm gonna leave you guys with one closing thought, and then I'll turn in my rank- ranking. Uh, and that is that uh, there are there in talks is another thing I found in my Wikipedia research. There in talks to do a, another remake of Scarface. Oh God, no! Set in Los Angeles with Mexican American immigrants. So, oh, hopefully, wow. hopefully they'll wow. actually pick Mexican American actors to play the uh, play the main characters. <laughs> yeah, that'd be novel. <laughs> But uh, anyway, I, F. Murray Abraham, I'm not sure he can pull off, um, <laughs> pull that off. Uh, my my ranking for this is, is is absolutely a Michael Corleone. I thought it was an obvious Sonny, but I think it's wow. I think it's I think it's a powerhouse performance for Pacino, and I think uh, I think the movie wouldn't be as effective. It, 
if anyone else was playing this role, I don't think it would. I think this would be one of the worst movies of all time. Uh, <laughs> but Pacino has this way of like, the, and you hit it on the na- the nail on the head, Steve. That he came in at eleven and he and he stayed there. And I don't know a lot of other actors who could do that. And it was like what was needed for this weird time capsule of a movie. So I'm, I'm well, giving it a movie I don't even like that much is making my point for me. This is so awkward. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? Good. I'm Andrew. I'm glad you liked it. That's that. That's we're going into a high note, going into into our next one. So that all three of us, this this is an joyous feeling in my heart. I will say that. I'm gonna have to unfurl my Scarface poster and put it on the wall in my bedroom. But sure. Yeah, you gotta get, get that back up. Uh, Amanda will will let me. I didn't. I never had a scar, Scarface poster. I had a Scarface poster. No, I certainly never had it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is gonna be a total letdown for next month. Danny Collins. Oh, Danny oh. Collins, Tom. Get excited about that. The, the oh. newest Pacino. Golden Globe nominee, Al Pacino. Oh, God. This is going to be a train wreck. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, I don't know. They say it's good. It's got a good Rotten Tomatoes score. We got It's good. I like that we're all going to see a movie like for the first time, too. That'll be fun because yeah, we're just revisiting. Like I think part of the joy of, or part of the reason we like Scarface, or at least. I did, and maybe you guys as well. Is just be is not it not being what I remembered it being. Yeah. So seeing yeah. something I've never seen before with a blank slate and assuming it's going to be pretty bad, that'll be a fun. I think that'll be a fun experience. I know nothing about this movie except that Al Pacino seems to wear like a blue blazer at some point in it, like a <laughs> like a blue satin or velvet. Yeah, I think or... he wears like Elton John type clothes. Yeah, yeah. So. But so it's got to be good. Yeah, well, I'm excited. Well, do you, can I can I tell you one thing? Can I can I give you as a hint? Do you want to know anything about it? No, yes, you don't want to know. Okay. Well, well, all right, all right, all right. If Tom wants to know, yeah, do it. Well, it I was originally know. called Imagine, because oh. he he writes a letter to John Lennon, and then the letter comes back, and that kickstarts a whole life change for Danny Collins. Wait, like the letters returned to him because because John. I think no, dead. I think he wrote John Lennon a letter, and then he never got one back, and he was like, "Oh shucks, John Lennon never wrote back to me." Because he's a movie, he's a he's a rock star too. And then he gets a letter from John Lennon like 40 years after or whatever many years after he died. And he's like, oh, John Lennon wrote back to me. This is so exciting. And then his life changes. <laughs> well, that's, that's imagine what it's like to be a good actor. <laughs> anyway. Uh, it's the most absurd. If it's, if it's good with that as the lead up, I think that'll be a wonderful surprise. Because that is the, when I read the description, I said, this is the biggest piece of shit I've ever heard. Yeah, well, that's that's my working assumption for now. But let's but let's see. <laughs> good for you for, for rolling the dice and seeing what happens. That's all we can ask of you. So yeah, Tom's it's, nothing it's all, if not a good sport. So <laughs> it's all about the ride. Uh, all right, Steve. I think you got to take us out. All right. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Tom, for this enjoyable conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Andrew. You're welcome. As always, we are. One nation under Pacino with liberty and justice for Al. <laughs>